Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Prime Minister says invoking the Emergencies Act is a last resort as a civil liberties group announces a legal challenge. We are taking the Government of Canada to court. We are here today because of the government's response to the protests and blockades. The government's emergency declaration is unprecedented and seriously infringes the charter rights of Canadians. Police begin making arrests in downtown Ottawa. It's time to go. Your time in our city has come to an end and you must leave. We've engaged in interactions with the protesters to, to attempt to uh, persuade, negotiate with them to leave the footprint of our area. We will continue to do that. But what I can tell you is we have a deliberate plan of action to take in order to make sure that our streets are turned back to our residents and our community is turned back to normal. And Christia Freeland says financial service providers have already frozen accounts of some people associated with the blockades. The consequences are real and they will bite. It is time for you to go home. And let me also be clear that we will have zero tolerance for the establishment of new blockades or occupations. It's Friday, February the 18th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Joanna Smith, the Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Canadian Press. Good morning, Joanna. Good morning, Mark. So let's talk about the debate yesterday in the House of Commons and the Prime Minister's comments uh, about the use of the Emergencies Act, which he says was a last resort. But the Canadian Civil Liberties Association and many other observers are saying the threshold has not been met. Um, And, of course, there has been a lot of debate in the House of Commons and a lot of scrutiny on how people are going to vote on this issue. So it's made for a very interesting debate inside and outside the House of Commons, hasn't it? It has. It's a historic debate. Just by its very nature, this is the first time since the Emergencies Act was brought in in 1988 that it has been invoked. Um, So this is one of those moments. uh, One of the checks on the Emergencies Act is that a a motion uh, to confirm it, essentially, needs to be presented to the House of Commons and debated. And should it be voted down by a majority of members of Parliament, um, then it's it disappears, essentially, it's revoked, and that vote we are expecting on Monday night. Um, So the CCLA, it was interesting, they've essentially announced that they are seeking a judicial review of the government's invocation of the Emergencies Act, and they were saying that they were listening to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in the House of Commons, and they said that he really gave no new legal justifications in their view for a national emergency and the sweeping powers that the government's really hoping to give itself to what, you know, bypass what they're saying is the typical typical democratic process. And they're sort of acknowledging, you know, that this has been a hard time um, for people, particularly in the city of Ottawa. They don't want to downplay the effect that protests are having across the country. Um, But they're arguing that they don't think it's that clear that the demonstrations um, are actually endangering lives, health, or safety of Canadians so seriously that they constitute a national emergency that would justify these powers. So so that's sort of a another check on it um, that we're seeing from civil society, um, really questioning whether this was something that was needed. Um, and, you know, you're hearing that argument elsewhere, too, um, you know, from the Conservatives, including, is, is that 
listen, the police were actually able to clear the blockades at the Canada-U.S. border um, in various provinces using traditional enforcement techniques. Um, even though some of this happened after the Emergencies Act was invoked, they weren't using any of these temporary um, but quite extraordinary powers that the Emergencies Act does grant police forces. Yeah. And the Prime Minister said it was not the first, second, or even third choice of the government. And um, and whether you agree with the decision to do it or not, I think I think you can accept that because it sounded for a long time like the the uh, the federal government wanted the police in Ottawa to look after this without having to go this far, right? That's right. We kept hearing them say that even even the day before it was invoked, we had emergency preparedness minister Bill Blair um, saying in interviews that. You know, he really thinks that this is still something the police should be able to resolve, even though by that point he was also talking about how, you know, the government was, in fact, considering the Emergencies Act. So um, we are hearing that message very strongly from the Prime Minister that this is, you know, he's been saying it several times over several days now. This is not the first, second or third thing. Um, However, the argument from the Conservative side, and we're seeing them saying this in the House of Commons, is that you know, they're not supporting the act because, A, much like the CCLA was arguing, um, they're saying the government hasn't proven the demonstrations pose a serious threat to Canada's sovereignty, security, or territorial integrity, um, and couldn't be dealt with under existing laws. But, you know, interim Conservative leader Candace Bergen has also argued in the House of Commons yesterday that Trudeau himself was to blame for, for raising the temperature of the convoy, um, and she was asking, you know, what what have you tried first, essentially, before you before you yeah. got to this last resort? And interestingly, the, the Conservatives and Candace Bergen uh, turned on the NDP as well in, in the House of Commons yesterday, challenging Jagmeet Singh to, to change his view on this. The NDP are saying they're reluctantly supporting this, and they're criticizing the Prime Minister for letting things get this far, but supporting the use of the Emergencies Act. And the Conservatives are saying they shouldn't. Uh, and, and it is interesting because in 1970, of course, uh, the NDP did not support the use of the War Measures Act in response to the FLQ crisis. That's right. And it's something the NDP has been quite proud of. It's, it's become a bit of their cultural history. So that was when Tommy Douglas was leader of the NDP, um, and most of his caucus, not all actually, the caucus was, was a little bit divided on that, um, but they voted against the War Measures Act being invoked for the FLQ crisis. I think uh, Douglas called it using a sledgehammer to crack a peanut. Um, and, you know, I, I think history has shown um, that the War Measures Act, which no longer exists, was quite a blunt instrument, in fact, um, when used during the FLQ crisis. Um, nearly 500 people were detained. Habeas corpus rights um, were suspended. Um, all, almost all of those people were released. Um, and, you know, it, it had a, a shock and awe sort of effect um, that really, I think, you know, stunned society at the time, and and things did resolve quite quick, quickly. But there's been a lot of argument and debate over over the decades as to whether that in fact played a role at all um, in in ending things. So so the you know it it's become an important point of pride for the NDP that they were against the War Measures Act at the time. Um, I remember even in, in 2015, um, then leader Tom Mulcair of the NDP, he was talking about the War Measures Act and the NDP's historic opposition to it when his party chose to oppose um, 
the Harper era Anti-Terrorism Act, right. um, Bill C-51, right? They invoke that. And, and it's really an important argument um, to make in Quebec in particular. And we know the NDP is really trying to regain the ground they lost there. And I've, I've noticed that uh, leader Jagmeet Singh's questions about the Emergencies Act uh, this past week have been referencing Quebec um, and asking specifically whether the Emergencies Act will be used there, even though Premier Francois Legault does not want it to be. Um, Legault was among several premiers who said, we don't want the Emergencies Act used in our provinces. Um, and then when the orders came out, we saw that it does, in fact, apply very broadly to all of Canada. The Liberals are saying they won't use it everywhere um, unless necessary, but it does leave the government uh, quite a lot of power to designate any particular zone um, you know, or any particular protest that's disrupting public order to be, to be an illegal one, no matter where it is in the country. Yeah. So, Joanna, let's talk about, uh, obviously, things are happening kind of minute by minute, hour by hour, as the police have made arrests and they they have have moved in and they've cordoned off downtown Ottawa. Um, But I think there's there's still a lot of angles to pursue going forward, even as we expect the the protests to be brought to some kind of an end in the hours and days ahead. Uh, there, there are going to be a lot of questions, are there not, about how this was let to happen? The, uh, there are some people referring to preparedness failures, uh, emergence, uh, um, intelligence failures, um, and there are going to be ramifications of this even after it's over. Just because the, the convoy is brought to an end, the, the blockade is brought to an end, doesn't mean necessarily that that movement is brought to an end. So the fallout for this, I suspect, will be felt for a long time. Oh, I think we'll be talking about this for years, frankly. I mean, I think one major question that many people have is why the police allowed the trucks to move in to begin with. Um, I remember in those early days understanding that rationale at a certain point, and I, and I think going forward we're, we're going to see a very different approach to protests on Parliament Hill, right? Like, we are, we are a capital city. Um, it's a natural sort of thing that you're going to have crowds show up. We hear them every week, virtually. Very, you know, sometimes it's just a small group of people, um, you know, marching around the hill. Sometimes it's much, much bigger. And there's always been sort of an acceptance. This is this is part of living in a capital city, and there's protests. I think that the police have largely taken, at least initially, sort of a hands-off approach. You let people have their say, right? We live in a democracy. This is protected speech. Um, but obviously, allowing big trucks that can't be towed very easily um, to come in and then move in. I think there was, yeah, potentially a failure of intelligence or a lack of understanding of just how dug in they were, just how prepared they were to stay, um, how they would start, you know, bringing in portable toilets and constructing uh, buildings and setting up a soundstage and a DJ booth and, and turning turning downtown Ottawa into into an encampment um, and really digging in. And and I think a lot of people were really surprised at just how long that hands-off approach by the police lasted, and there will absolutely be questions about it. Um, I mean, it's already cost the local police chief his job, essentially, um, and the police board uh, has also been turfed. So, and then... You know, the Emergencies Act itself, actually, there does have to be a, a public inquiry um, examining its use uh, in the year after. So, yeah, there will be many, many questions and, and many investigations on what exactly happened here. And, and I think we can expect 
many changes in how to handle something like this going forward. Yeah, and to say nothing, and and I'm sure we'll be talking about this more in the future, uh, to say nothing of where uh, the organizers of the protests go from here and what decisions they make after it's over. Exactly, and I think one of the hardest things is that this is um, essentially a bunch of social media influencers, really, right? I mean, I think we, you think of organizers as people who meet in basements and and sort of coordinate things that way. Um, and I think a lot of the people who showed up to the protests were, were meeting other people involved potentially for the first time in their lives. And I think it's just we're at a time where people can connect with each other and amplify their voices um, and really be, uh, you know, start following people just based on what they're seeing on social media. And I think that was uh, at play here, too, yeah. and, and probably uh, quite difficult to tease apart. All right. Joanna, great to have your insights on all of this. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Mark. That's Joanna Smith, the Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Canadian Press. We will not let the last few weeks define this pandemic for us. Canadians have sacrificed too much, lost too many loved ones, missed out on too many moments to allow our country to become divided by hate and violence. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. At National News Watch, Glenn Pearson considers the anatomy of hate. Pearson writes, Canada's peaceful middle is slowly being edged off the stage by what were once fringe elements of the political world. Activists from the left have continually pressed for the nation to accelerate, while those from the right continually complained that things had already moved too quickly and that there was a pressing need to return to the country's roots. Now, pressure points from both spectrums threaten to upend what had once been the moderate stability of Canada's hegemony. In the Toronto Star, Thomas Wacom asks if convoy protests put Canada's national security at risk. Wacom writes, Much attention is being paid to the long-running occupation of downtown Ottawa. But the border blockades in places such as Windsor and Fort Erie are much more important. They have threatened Canada's ability to protect its own borders. If Canada is to present itself as a power along the U.S. border, it will have to demonstrate to Washington its ability to exercise control over cross-border trucking. Invoking the Emergencies Act is an effective way to make that point. It leaves no question as to who is in charge. At cbc.ca, Mirtha Rivera argues we must not lose sight of what freedom really means. Rivera, a survivor of the Pinochet dictatorship in Chile, writes, I came to Canada as a political refugee in the 1970s. I thought I had left the fear and uncertainty behind, but those feelings are rising to the surface again. I never thought that I would see what is taking place here in Canada right now. I know what a loss of freedom is. It's much more frightening than getting a needle in your arm that will keep you alive by helping prevent the spread of a highly contagious virus. The bullying, intimidation, and threats need to be stopped now, or we will never have real freedom. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will take part in a meeting hosted by the President of the United States, along with the leaders of France, Germany, Italy, Poland, Romania, the United Kingdom, the European Union, and NATO to discuss the situation in Ukraine. He will also chair a meeting of the Incident Response Group on the Illegal Blockades. 
Government officials will hold a news conference to provide an update on COVID-19. Minister of Families Karina Gould will announce support for workers in the child care sector. National Revenue Minister Diane Le Boutelier will take part in a virtual news conference about support for one of Eastern Canada's largest snow removal equipment manufacturers. And Tourism Minister Randy Boissonneau will announce a partnership between Boyle Street Community Services and Indigenous Services Canada. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, February the 18th. Tune in to Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.